Once again, it's time to probe the deep inner workings of man's constantly tormented soul as he pursues the indescribable goals that he is constantly pursuing. Yes, it's the important moment. <laughs> I mean, you don't mind if we uh, just lay it on the line and be honest for change to do that, Yeah, the amateurs have moved off the stage, and it's time now for the professional. here it says uh, shepherd uh, and i'm quoting exactly here your type of humor is midway between hee-haw and william buckley did you both hear that i don't think you did it says your type of humor is midway between hee-haw and william buckley it's a hell of a note i don't know who's going to sue first hee-haw or william buckley <laughs> well <laughs> i never thought buckley is buckley funny I, I see. <laughs> well, uh, no, I, I tell you, it's getting it's getting completely out of hand. I I also received a uh, a press release here. You know, I get thousands of press releases. I don't know why I'm on that list, and they're all addressed to Miss Jean Shepherd. Uh, I get the yes, I do. I get many of them. Right, Jerry? I'm not kidding. I get hundreds of them. See, from these alert press people who really know what's happening in the field of communications. Yeah, Miss Jean Shepherd. It says. Uh, and uh, I apparently at one time was in charge of a program named Inside Gene Shepherd. Was there ever such a program? I never heard of that show. I never called it <laughs> anyway. It's all always addressed to that, and, uh, and uh, often it starts out. It says a special news release to women's programmers. So I, I uh, I'm thoroughly uh, confused here by what's happening. So I don't know. But I did get a press release here that I think is very significant that I'm going to pass along to you. And it, uh, it warms the, uh, there's something that's right at the tip of my tongue here. It warms the, uh, uh, the wattles, the somethings of the heart. What is it that warms the dingles of the heart, something like that? It's an old phrase, you know. They always, uh, I, I'm sorry I got the distracted there for a minute. But uh, it does, it warms the uh, somethings of my heart, this piece here. It says, uh, I'll, uh, paraphrase it here it comes from a university out in the midwest which for want of uh, argument's sake we will we'll invent a name from your university okay you don't mind if i don't use a real name i mean after all uh uh let's face it uh there's no such places uh as uh well there's no place like uh Erewhon. there's no place like uh well, I, I doubt whether there's even weaninims, so I, I don't uh, suspect weaninims. You ever hear the weaninims of Gulliver's Travel? Uh, you stick around with that, and you'll learn a few things before you're through. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I have a note here from a university. We'll invent a name, uh, a silly name. Uh, is let's, think, let's just invent a word, Michigan. That's a crazy name. Sounds like you're sneezing. You're hoisting up an oyster, right? Michigan. The University of Michigan, I will invent a name. Uh, we've got a press release from that non-existent university that says, Ace Hubbard, much sought after, double B-flat sousaphone player, was today signed by the University of Michigan Marching Band. He was sought after by 18 other major universities. He signed after undisclosed 
negotiations with the band director, Dr. Albert L. Kruderman. Now, I think, as an ex-sousaphone player, I think this is a healthy development. At long last, guys in the band are beginning to get the credit that they have long sought after and never have gotten. I mean, how many 10th-rate quarterbacks are signed year after year by universities and never once appear out on the field with a suit? I, I could tell you hundreds, hundreds. Uh, <laughs> and yet, there they are. They get, and they all get these phys ed if you notice, they all get these phys ed uh, uh, scholarships. You know, before every football game, it's kind of great to see, you know, when they pick them out coming up. And there he is, number 17, Ace Kloutman. He comes out and he's playing uh, left cornerback. And, uh, hello, folks. And then he runs off. You see him. He's got the big number 18. says Ace Kloutman is a, uh, a physical ed uh, <laughs> He's a physical ed major. Well, now, if you, those of you who don't know what phys ed major means... It generally means handing out basketballs in the gym. That's what it means for four years. Of course, you better keep you, keep, you better keep your blocking pretty sharp. Uh, you better <laughs> you better you better keep your your fast cut out there, you know, in the in the flat pretty good, or else you're gonna they'll switch you to economics for a couple of weeks, and then of course that's that that's done as a form of uh, of uh, discipline. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I know I know one tackle who began to slacken off, you know, on his. Uh, training. He got a little fat and he wasn't hitting the way he used to hit. So they called him in. He was a phys ed major. And that meant, uh, he, he wasn't handing out basketballs. He was handing out towels. And uh, yeah, he was a towel expert and his job was to hand out the towels and you know, in the, all the phys ed courses. And he was doing real good at that. He pretty good. Although he'd goof off once in a while. Once in a while he'd be down in the basement smoking pot or something, you know, and they, when they needed towels. And so anyway, he was called, yeah, he was called in. I remember old big Iron Man. He was called in, and they, they told him they were going to discipline him. And they, he said, well, what are you going to do? You know, you don't kick him out of school. I mean, that's academic. He hasn't really been in school, so it's very difficult to kick him out. Uh, and you don't want to kick him off the football team because he was their All-American. You know, there's a, Have you ever noticed now today All-Americans are nominated before the season? Before yes, before the season yes. If you watch, if you watch very carefully the, the the sports scene, you will notice already by August they will say All American nominee uh, playing his first season at the University of Mississippi. Yeah, and and if you notice even before the first game is played, the UP and the AP comes out with national ratings. That's pretty interesting. But nevertheless, this is the way it goes. You know? So, yeah, all this football thing is going to be really big. And uh, since it's after the football season now, we can, uh, you know, pull out the stops and talk about how silly a lot of it is. Now, uh, yeah, it is very silly. And I remember when they called Iron Man in, I happened to be at the school at the time. They called him in and they told him they were going to discipline him. Well, you know how they disciplined him, you know. It was a very it was a scary thing that happened to him. Uh, for one month, they transferred Iron Man to psychology and uh, yes and it was clinical psychology and the poor old iron man was sitting there you know and he had to go to classes and it was just a terrible thing that happened to him and he, he wasted away of course they knew he'd lose weight in there you know with all them intellectuals talking around there and the big words going past and he did he, he lost a lot of weight in that one month just sitting back there in the class worrying yeah scared always scared out of his bird 
And, of course, after that month, he was hitting like Billy be damned. You never saw a guy hit the line like he hit the line after that because he didn't want to go back there, you know, with all them big words again. So he was called in to the coach, you know. Big Bo called him in and said, uh, all right, Iron Man, you had a month now. You're willing to buckle down now. You lost 37 pounds in the month there working in that psychology class. All them clinical words there, you know, you, word that you learned a lot of words like uh, involuntary reaction and all that stuff. How about that? And he'd get scared, you know. Ooh, you know. And they gave tests. That's another thing. They kept coming around with them little blue books. And uh, they'd ask him to write stuff down. And he, he had trouble holding the pencil. So he had big, heavy, knobby fingers and stuff. And holding the pencil was kind of hard right there. And he, had, he just barely had developed the, uh, the prehensile thumb which is not the same as a prehensile tail. He just switched a little bit there. So uh, big old Iron Man was, was told that, that one, one more time, one more like that, you put a little more blubber around like that, and you stop moving, and you stop hitting. You know when that crowd is hollering, Kill Iron Man! Kill Iron Man! You're supposed to kill. Now when that stops happening, back to psych. Now you, you're ready to go back, and Iron Man goes, uh-huh. And by God, you should have seen that guy from that day in. He handled out towels with a verve and a vim. Vigor is the word. He handed out towels with elan. Graduated with a, a full B-plus average in physical ed. Fantastic. Got his master's degree, got his Ph.D., and now he's playing for the Washington Redskins. He's on his way. But uh, so I'm glad to see that a, a sousaphone player is finally signed. You know, that's a fact. They signed him. He was sought after by hundreds of others because you've got to realize now that the, that the center, the halftime show is becoming big biz. Big biz. Oh, yeah, big biz. And uh, it's, uh, in fact, in some schools, the halftime show now has far far superseded the football game, you know, in between that. Oh, yes, I've seen halftime. You've seen... Listen, I, oh, did you see the halftime show here a couple of months ago? Fantastic halftime. And, and they changed, you know. Remember when the halftime shows used to uh, come out and they'd spell a big block L? And then they would sing something like, uh, Hooray, hooray for Liberty Bill. You know, something they'd they come out, you know, pep thing. Oh, no, that's all gone. Now they're, they're, uh, they're, <laughs> they're getting even sillier. I heard... Give me a little echo chamber. The Pitcairn University College Band and its famous halftime show today will celebrate relevant news items in today's fast-changing world. It recognizes the stresses and it recognizes the iniquities in our society. And now the Pitcairn University Band will salute poverty. And by God, they did. They came out there and they saluted poverty. After we did, I, I, you got to admit, I do, I do that announcer very well. They all sound exactly that way. I don't know where they learned that. It's just terrible, but they do it, see. And then after they finished saluting poverty, he said, uh, And now the Pitcairn University Band once again entertains you with its salute to the poverty and the starvation that is now going on in Pakistan. And they came out and, you know, they made the sign of a pot with, with the steam coming out of it. And, uh, and they saluted. Yeah, they did. They really did. You know, the shows of food, you know, going on. And uh, the last one, which I thought was really good, uh, was the, they finally wound up with this final one. And now, to conclude today's halftime program, which has thrilled thousands of television viewers all over the nation this year, the Pitcairn University Band will now salute 
the Democratic presidential nominations. Yes, the presidential candidates, one by one, will be saluted. As you know, there are over 17 of them now, and the University of Pitcairn Van salutes the Democratic nominees. I thought, holy smokes. When, you know, how far can it go? And then I began to realize, of course, that this was becoming a big business. And uh, it, fin yeah, it finally hit me when, uh, when today I came in, and you know, the record's all over. You want to hear something great now? It's becoming really full-time showbiz. Full-time showbiz. And one of the greatest bands of all, I mean, it comes out and does this big halftime thing, is the Grambling have you, have you seen the Grambling College band? That's fantastic band. They really come up, man. And uh, and so I received in the mail today. I just just uh, this is for all of you band cocos to let you know that that uh, that the health is coming to the American uh, society. That we're we're shifting our attention from those big fat old tackles and you know those angry guards. And now the true artists, you know, the university football scene. The uh, bands are beginning to be heard from. This is W.O.R. New York, and now from that fantastic album, this is the first stereo completely produced. Yes, it is. It's stereo. Well, we're not on stereo here, but you, it, the record is. Completely produced stereo recording of a marching band. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it, well, listen. Come on, let's go, Marty. Here we go. So where they come out? that for a fantastic <laughs> well I'm, I'm not uh, you know I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just, uh, just I'm delighted you know this is a this is a great change in uh, in American attitude there you know uh, last year if uh, how many of you remember last year we had this great uh, we had this great LP album uh, of the New York Jets singing Christmas carols. You remember that one? And it was you know, seriously. And uh, you could also get the New York Giants singing Christmas carols. But in long last, true talent is being observed. Now, for those of you who don't know uh, the inner workings of a marching band, I have to point out to you that it's not easy. One of the most difficult parts of, of uh, being in a marching band, it, it takes intense concentration. It takes intense coordination. Oh, it really does. Now, I'm, I'm, listen, you may learn something. That, that, the, that the maneuvers that a marching band does out on the, out on the field are uh, highly complex. I mean, all these turns, everything looks so natural when you watch it. All these turns, and the guys spread out, like make a big flower, and then they make a big locomotive, and the smoke comes out of it and all that stuff. Well, each move has to be memorized completely by the guy who's about to do it. See, there's no way... No way to fake it out there, because if you, you know, if they're making a locomotive and you're making a big block letter M by yourself, there is trouble. And uh, this has happened <laughs> on many occasions. In fact, it, it happened the years truly one day. But uh, that coupled with the fact that you have to play music while you're doing it. 
and march in step at, at in many cases an insane uh, uh, marching beat it requires tremendous coordination it requires a, a, a complete unification of the bodily functions your mouth is going your head is going your feet are going up and down and your mind is saying what left right like left right, hope now one two three steps turn right once yeah and all the while see you're playing this insane piece of music you know you're going listen to the crowd the crowd is cheering of course here they go now. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Listen to those shoes man. Listen to the beat. These guys are clipping it off at about 150 a, a minute. Now they are marching as they're doing this, and they are marching real good. on this recording. It was not recorded in the studio. It was recorded at Gambling College. It was recorded in a, a field house, a tremendous field house, a giant crowd. And they were marching when it was recorded. As you know, it's highly unusual for me to do anything on music because this is not a DJ show in any sense of the word. However, uh, being, being yeah, they flip it over on the other side and uh, the last cut, the last cut. And uh, I, I uh, as an old member of a marching band, and I, I, uh, I really dug it. You know, there's a, there's a funny thing about being a member of a marching band. Of course, most members of marching bands are also members of other organizations. In other words, uh, uh, in, in the case of a big concert band, uh, there is, out of the concert band, usually a, a group of people who are in the marching band. Now, now that's a separate type of organization. And uh, to, to 
audition for a top marching band. I'm talking about really a top one. You know, you know who's considered one of the great marching bands of, of America? Well, they are, but that's a different type. That's a show band. There's different types of marching bands. There's the show marching band, which really does a lot of show material, showmanship kind of thing. And then there's the, the, uh, the classical marching band, which does uh, precise military-type drill marching band. That's a different kind of band. Uh, University of Michigan is considered one of the, one of the all-time greats. In fact, uh, I, I have seen marching directors, you know, guys that direct marching bands, show films. Now, this is something you've probably never even heard of. Yes, oh yes, show films of great marching bands while they're studying. Of course, this is a big thing, you know. Uh, <laughs> and they, they will show films of a great marching band, let's say the University of Michigan or... Uh, there are many great marching bands. Stanford is another great band. And they will watch films on how they do a specific maneuver. For example, reversing direction at the end of the field, uh, getting from one side of the field, or making an entrance. All these different things are studied very carefully. How they, how they move into another formation, transitions. And so <laughs> I've actually watched guys uh, in, in the big-time bands where they're watching a film, see, they're watching a film of, uh, let's say, well, let's say Grambling, or they're watching a film of the University of Michigan, that's, that's the one I happen to see, and uh, the University of Michigan band is, is doing its maneuvers, and it was photographed just like it would be, you know, the scenes of the football, it was photographed at a football game, and it was filmed just the way they would film the football team. And so the, the band director in, uh, that I'm talking about happened to be a university band director with his assistants. And, I, and, hit, and the two top drum majors, by the way, were watching this thing. And so uh, <laughs> they would stop it. They'd stop action. It's like, hold it, hold it right here. Now run it back. Will you run it back now? Now watch the way, watch the way the sousaphone, watch the way the trombones now. Watch how they're pivoting now. Watch that. All right, play it slow now. And you can see this pivot, see, when they're doing this, this precise pivot. Look at, look at the third one. Now, watch him, watch him now. One, two, he's picking up. And they're fantastic. He said, why can't we do that? Why can't you get, why, our line always bellows at that point. Uh, as soon as I, now, run that back. Will you run that back, friend? I want to start at the top now. Run that back in. I want to see what they do then. Hold it, hold it right there. Stop it now. I see. I see they're pivoting on the on the right foot. How come well, well, how come they're pivoting on the right foot? And I said, well, run that back in. I want to see whether now whether is that a mistake or what? <laughs> you know, they're going back over this this whole scene and that and not many people would be totally surprised to know this. They don't they don't know that, that marching bands because uh, let's face it, when a guy is out in a top university, he's got a marching band that's performing before say seventy five thousand people. I mean, that's a lot of people. 75,000 people. Man, he is performing right there in that one swell foop. He's performing before more people than, say, a hit Broadway show will perform before in maybe two or three weeks. That's how, you know, you, how, how many people can get in a Broadway house? Maybe 2,000 at the most, 1,800? Well, how many, how many nights do you have to play to play before 75,000? <laughs> so, so these guys, and they, oh, they criticize. Let me tell you, you should see, you should see what happens when when the when the band puts on a bad halftime show. When when the when the uh, the alumni 
just like the football coach, you know, that, that, that band directors are fired and are hired because of what happens at a game. So, so you see two or three top alumni sitting out there, and all of a sudden they see what a sloppy-looking D they're making. Oh, look at that terrible D. And look, look at look at they're all a step. Oh, wow. Look at what a terrible, that, that band is awful. And the next thing you know, this guy is on his way to some little obscure high school down in Alabama, <laughs> you know, where, where the band reminds you a little bit, you know, of the, of the triangle band that the kids have in, the, in kindergarten. But now, here, here's another, come on, Marty, let's go. Here's, here's, now, here's the next one now, which is, uh, of course, the big thing that any band ever does. Any band, uh, and they can, they, they can do almost in their sleep, is the alma mater song of that particular school. I mean, you know, you, you, you have to be able to play this thing. And often it's played, a few little snatches of it are played after a touchdown. Somebody scores a big point, you know. They leap up and they play this, this little uh, snatch of the alma mater or whatever they, they, they do. They work it into a lot of their work. And this is the alma mater of Grambling. This is their big finale. song of Grambling, I never ever learned any school song of any place I was, you know, it used to embarrass the hell out of me. I, I remember, I remember in high school, they had this, they had this pep song, you know, the high school song, see, and I, to this day, I never could figure out what the words meant. I remember, hey man, we fight for you, purple victory is on you, it, could, it just didn't make sense, purple victory is our heel. Purple Victory is our human, and I would sing it. I mean, that's what I sang all the time I was in school. In an auditorium session, they'd say, all right, all right, let's all stand up now and let's sing the Hammond High Fight Song. And uh, somebody at the piano would go, dun, 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 dun. and I'd start singing, Hammond, we'll fight for you, Purple Victory. And of course, by the time I got to the third or fourth line, I'm going, Massa, Purple, you will fight, fight, hooray for you, Hammond, blah, blah, blah. And I, I faked it all the way through. You know, I don't even know the song. To, to be honest with you, I don't know the words to the, to the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed? That's why I lose it. At the twilight's last 
Is it gleaming or gloaming? Gleaming? The twilight's last gleaming. No, that's not right. The twilight's last... There you go, see? When in doubt, friends, when in doubt, do a commercial. Hey, listen, uh, here's some more dope on New York Tech. I thought uh, I'd bring that in. Don't write to me about uh, brochures, by the way. Uh, if uh, you'd like to try college this year, I'd like to give you a recommendation. New York Institute of Technology It's a good school and offers more than 150 credit and non-credit courses in all kinds of fields, including radio and television and so on. And these are degree courses, too, if you want. You can begin or continue working towards a degree, or you can just sharpen what you've got, and you can choose at NYT. You can choose between the beautiful old Westbury campus or the brand-new Metropolitan Center Campus in the Sky, which is just across from Carnegie Tech. And the new uh, semester begins the 10th of February, and you must register between now and February 2nd at either campus. In old Westbury, New York Tech is just off Route 25A. You can come directly to Shore Hall. And in New York, it's at 888 7th Avenue at 56th Street. And to call in Old Westbury, you can give them a call, area 516-MA-6-3400. And in New York, it's area 212-JU-2-8080. That's the New York Institute of Technology. Yes, I have here a, uh, a letter here I've just received from one of our victims up in Vermont. And he says, Shepard, I want to thank you. You have opened up my life completely. I am now loved in the neighborhood. There are women chasing me. I've uh, been able to uh, grow more hair on the top of my head, all because of that fantastic flying bird. He says, that thing not only flies, but I am flying now. So if you would like to try this, friends, you just send $3.98 to Flying Birds. Flying Birds, Department S., Post Office Box 1909, Grand Central Station, New York, New York, and the zip is 10017. Now, that's $3.98 per each. Please. The greatest winter vacation value ever. Enjoy fabulous Miami Beach and the Gulf Coast. Round-trip non-stop jet from New York to Miami. Two great meals each day. And a room at a luxurious oceanfront hotel. For seven days and nights for only $179. This dream vacation can save you hundreds of dollars. There's nothing more to spend. Your Grandway vacation flight leaves New York every Friday. Call now for reservations in New York, 832-1958. Call Grandway Tours, 832-1958. And come on down to Florida. You know, you hear that spot, and, and uh, being in the, in the business, being a professional, I keep thinking of how they did it. I keep thinking of, uh, of them going back and forth over and over again, this thing, see, because uh, obviously the agency insisted on a certain amount of copy, and they only had 28 seconds to get it in. And they insisted on two and a half minutes of words. So, I was thinking, yeah, sure, sure, go down to Florida. And uh, it gets very tense after a while especially since uh, recording time in a recording studio is like $5,000 an hour, and uh, they're running over, and they, they still can't get it out of time. That reminds me of a, one of the funniest things I've ever seen happen in a, in a studio. It's a very funny thing. And uh, I didn't see it happen. I actually heard it happen. That, uh, that when I was a kid, there was a radio show. It was, it was like a big news show. And uh, the news show had two announcers on it. And they would read different items, it, almost like uh, the way today Huntley and Brinkley or, or say, uh, today, uh, yeah, like John Chancellor turns it over to Frank McGee or something, you know, how they go switch back and forth. Well, that's the way it was, only they did it on radio. So the guy would say, 
And now here's Fred with Washington News. And Fred would say, today in the Capitol, the nation's capital, the president announced the following. And he would go, the, then he would say, and now back to Al for international news. Yes, uh, thank you, Fred. And now it is reported at Beirut. And they, they go back and forth like that. Well, one night, they did the commercials that way, and there was some kind of a crazy bread commercial. That Bread, it was a bread commercial they had. And, and it was one of these high-pitched ones where the guy said, soft. Another one said, smooth. And the, and the third one said, delicious. And the fourth one said, helpful. And they, they had to bang it out real fast. Well, halfway through, one of them realized how ludicrous this was, and he started to laugh. Well, the, the other one kept going at it real serious. It's like, delicious, rich, fully packed. And uh, <laughs> the third one couldn't stop, the second one couldn't stop laughing. When the whole commercial just completely collapsed with these two guys yelling incoherent words, like, Whoa! and the third one would go, big! And the second one would go, round! <laughs> and they were just faking it. Well, the, the announcer happened to have been Mike Wallace. You heard Mike Wallace. Well, well, uh, here a couple of weeks ago, I happened to be on a, a little show. You know, you know who what Mike Wallace is. Mike Wallace was a, was an ace and is an ace announcer. And uh, I happened to run into Wallace, and I said, Wallace, Mike, uh, I said that. I, I, no, I, I walked right up to my. You know, they were, they were actually sitting in the studios, and I, I popped it on him without any warning. I said, uh, Rich. He looked at me and he says, Delicious. <laughs> he remembered the same commercial, and when he, he started to laugh again, those things started all over again. And so, he, sometimes commercials, uh, the whole world of the commercial is is uh, is. Uh, now, I'll give you another uh, give you another idea of, of of what the subtleties of commercials, which you don't probably are aware of. Very few people are aware of this kind of thing. This afternoon, I spent in a studio. Uh, and it was in a, a very complex studio. There's different kinds of studios. Uh, for example, there may be just the sound studio where people record sound. Uh, this is a purely uh, vocal studio where they have tape machines and they record sound. Well, now, there's, there's mixing studios. Now, that's another kind of studio, as you know, Martin. That's a studio where, where uh, people record soundtracks for a motion picture or a, or a TV commercial, and it's mixed. They mix the sound with the picture and the music and so forth. And then there's other kinds of studio. There's a third kind of studio, which is even subtler, and that's called the dubbing studio. That's a studio where, where uh, sound is dubbed uh, over an existing track. Uh, for example, if you have a m movie that was done in Greece, and the, the language is in Greek, of course, uh, you have to dub this, and the, and the dubbing... Is, is all, it's a matter of coordination. And you know there are actors here in New York City, in fact in several world capitals, whose entire career is based on the fact that they can time their vocal delivery so closely to the moving lips of somebody else on a screen that, uh, yes, it's, <laughs> believe me, if you don't think this is a, a fantastic uh, uh, talent and a, and a very valuable one, you just don't know what it's about. So, nevertheless, I spent... Now, here's what happened, uh, why I spent an afternoon in the studio. But, uh, that last summer, I did a series of television commercials. These were on-camera TV commercials where I played different types of characters. One, one character I played was a guy riding in a, 
in a suburban train, you know, one of these interurban trains like the New Haven. And he's talking across the aisle to somebody else, who in this case was the camera. It's like I'm talking across the aisle to you and I say, hey, you know, did you hear about Fred? You know, it was that kind of a commercial. Uh, the next one I did was like a guy walking down a street in a, in a very, very wild, tough neighborhood, and you were right next to him, and he was walking through this neighborhood, and he was telling you about it, but he didn't want to be overheard, like, uh, you know, then this, this, is, this neighborhood has a terrible drug problem, and uh, these people on all sides of poverty. And that. All right, so that was one. Well, one of the commercials was the most difficult of all of them, was a commercial that was shot in, a, in an ice rink, was shot in a, in a hockey rink, and uh, with ice, you know, regular hockey rink. It was very cold in there, of course, naturally, ice, they had to keep it cold. And it was shot in this rink, and it was based on the concept of curling. And you know what curling is? It's this, this sport, the European sport, where they have these big, heavy stones, they call them. They're like weights with a handle. And they slide these stones maybe 75, 100 feet. I don't know the length of the actual curling court, but it's a good distance. It looks like maybe 150 feet. And they slide them towards a circle. It's almost like a, it's almost like a, a, a variation of a shuffleboard, but it's done with these big heavy weights. And, of course, as the guy is playing this game, he runs along, one of the players runs along, ahead of the stone, sliding along on the ice with a broom. And he sweeps the, the ice ahead of the bone, ahead of the stone, because when you sweep the ice, it keeps all little ice crystals off of this thing, which form all the time. It's like frost forming on the ice. It brushes that off so that the thing continues to move smoothly and does not stick, you see, when it gets slower and slower. So the, the commercial is filmed. I'm playing this game. I'm curling, see. And apparently I have a, a partner who's just off camera who has just slid this thing. And I'm running along, I'm running along with this thing, and I'm wearing the whole curling costume, including this Titan Tam and a great big scarf and everything. And I'm running along and I'm sweeping this thing, and I'm talking about this game. Hey, man, this is a fantastic game. You ever, you ever discovered curling? I'll tell you, this uh, it's changed my whole life. I'm already an All-American. This boom's going to make it. Uh, it's fantastic. So I'm running along doing this thing. Well, we recorded this thing in a rink. It was, it was filmed in a rink, and it had a tremendous crew. I mean, you know, they had movie cameras and they had the lights and the audio stuff and everything else and remember the important thing is it's in a rink which is a big you know how rinks are it's a high ceiling and there's a lot of echo a lot of noise and so on is this boring you it's a curious story because very little has ever talked about how a commercial is done well we started out to do this commercial and the first thing that hit us was like any sport we he actually had to slide this thing he could never slide it. We had an expert curler who was doing the sliding. This guy was a, an ace curler. Uh, he was off camera, but he was sliding. In fact, an instructor, this guy was. But to get it in exactly the right position all the time as we shot this thing, and it had to stop right on camera, and all the lights were set on this one particular spot, so that if I moved back too much, I'd be out of focus a little bit. And if I moved too close, obviously, I'd be out of focus. So it was a highly technical thing. And I had to run a good 40 or 50 feet, you see, while a camera followed me. And everything was set for that distance. We did this over and over and over and over. Because one time, the, the, the stone would slide a little too close. Another time, it would slide a little to the left. The next time, it's sliding just right, and then I blow my lines. Uh, and, oh, it's getting us, man. Six hours, we kept running back and forth doing this 30-second spot. 
that was in full color, beautifully full color shot, and and doing it over and over and over and over again until finally, and we're all absolutely frozen by this time. We're really cold, and outside, it was summertime, outside it's 85 degrees out, you know, when we were doing this thing. In this rink, it's obviously below freezing. So I couldn't be dressed all in mufflers and that. You don't wear, you know, you don't go out to, to play curling in a rink. You don't uh, play it with uh, sheepskin coats and all that. So everybody's just freezing. We're all standing there shaking. By the end of six hours in this freezing temperature, well, we finally got what we thought was a, was a good take. And uh, the, the, all the commercials have been playing throughout the, the whole Midwestern area. These are for Chicago, by the way. That's why you've never seen them. They're all done for... Actually, it's a newspaper. It's the Chicago Sun-Times. And they're all in that area out there. Well, today, a couple of days ago, I got the call. It turns out that one line, just one quick line, and all the line was, it says the, the line simply was this. As I'm, as I'm running along, and I'm, I'm running in front of the camera, just it, it, it looks like an action shot of an actual game, which is what it, it was supposed to be. I throw away a line where I say, that sometimes doesn't just print stuff about football and baseball. You know, I just throw it off. It didn't quite, it wasn't quite legible. You couldn't quite tell what I said. Because there was echo, there was the sound of this stone and all that stuff. So all afternoon today, we, we're in this studio now, a dubbing studio, running that film over and over. And I'm watching myself up there on the screen. And we're trying to dub in exact sequence with the lips, that exact line, but read and, and delivered in exactly the same way. Now, that's not easy to do because after all, let's face it, my voice, after four hours, I was in the cold. You know, you're different. You, you feel differently. I was in the cold. I was running. I was sweating. I was cold at the same time, and I was playing this game. So I had to reproduce all that feeling inside of me in the studio, and at the same time, completely coordinated with the lips that were on the screen, me. And, you know, when you work, it becomes another person. You don't even think you. So e even including the intake of breath, because on the screen you could see that I'm breathing, hon. I go, <sighs> and I say something, oh, wow, what a shot. Oh, great shot, Alan. Whoo, boy. All of that had to be perfectly coordinated, including the breath intake and the, the sound of, of, you know, gasping and so forth. Well, here we are, hour after hour after hour, doing this thing. And, of course, on the screen, it will just be 30 seconds. People see it, and they say, it's, you know, either it's a groovy commercial or it isn't. And they, they, they ignore it. But the amount of work, oh, man. It's, it's, uh, and, 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 of course, since it is a Chicago commercial, uh, the entire crew, the, the people who are doing the recording, you know, the director and everything, they all had to come out here to New York, you see, they're, they're, so that we could just record those five or six words uh, to, to get that absolutely and totally correct. And so we ran it uh, sequence by sequence, second by second, and you could see the seconds taking off, 17, 16, 15, 14, 1, 2, 3, boop, boop, because then you start right off, hey, it was a great shot, terrific shot, oh, fantastic. He said, oh, we're two frames off. All right, slate, cut, 14, start from the top. 17, 16, 14, 13, 19. Boop, 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 boop. Hey, great shot. Fantastic. Oh, great. So you were one frame ahead that time. Now let's go back to the start again. Oh, my God. And on and on and on. 
Now these are the, the little inside things about things which you take for granted all the time, like the marching band, the grambling band, uh, working constantly, constantly on that one pivot, on that one movement. Nobody, you know, who pays attention to it? They're walking around eating their hot dogs in the stand, you know, <laughs> talking about the last half. <laughs> Some guy has sweated hours over this thing, days, weeks. You watch a commercial, and, and here's here's some some work some guys have put in maybe a year on. You say, hey, will you turn that thing down? But come on, it will be a commercial. <laughs> yeah, there are wheels within wheels, friends. Wheels within wheels. W.O.R. New York. Of course, man. Stay tuned for Lester Smith in the news. News in detail on the hour from the W.O.R. newsroom. 27-year-old Lawrence Ehrlich of Manhattan.